tacos, ladies and gentlemen, it is baking, it's baking, I'm hot, I'm in a sauna, I will be real, this might be my fastest show, because I need to get out of this room, <laughs> it's bloody hot, <laughs> in the words of public enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to anyone that's new. I don't know if it's actually new listeners, but I just like to say that. I'll say that regardless. I'll keep it in. Damn it, I'll keep it live. Um, yeah, like I said, it is mad hot. It is, <laughs> it's, it is sweltering in the UK. It is absurd. Uh, currently, as I look at my phone, it's 31 degrees right now. It's not it, chief. It's not it. It's too. It's too much. It's li- just a little bit too much. Like over over thirty, I just start to suffer a little bit. And that, and I'm a person that enjoys summer. I believe that if you prefer winter over summer, you don't deserve nice things. So, yeah, uh, this is clear. This is a little bit a little bit too much on my side uh, on the on the heat side for me. So, and also I'm in a in my room, which is um, <clears throat> which is uh, the curtains are behind me closed and there's no window open because i want to keep the sound keep a reasonable amount of soundproof going and it's not a good combination ladies and gentlemen it's not a good combination i am suffering so without further ado let's just hop into the show because i do not want to waste time i want to get some liquids in me right now i've got some uh i've got some arizona mango juice right now i'm gonna down that in between <laughs> intervals so i stay alive uh, and yeah, this, uh, this, this, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what my shortest show is, runtime wise, uh, so far, and what's good, but, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really try and, uh, keep the, keep this one fast, <laughs> so, uh, stay with me, we, we shall get through it together, and, uh, you can, you I can go away and watch some athletics downstairs, and you can go away and enjoy your day in the sun, uh, or, or in the darkness, which, which I'm trying to do right now, <laughs> in, as I record, formalities before we begin we have the email we have facebook we have the twitter hit me up on any of the three if you want to contact me in any way as it pertains to what's good (sighs) digging in digits uh no there's actually no music topic for this week so if you want any music topic if you want your fix we have digging in digits as part of the food film podcast network drop in every tuesday night if you're in the uk and if you're past south africa time zone every wednesday morning so uh, I think that's everything. Without further ado, drop that beat and let's get on with the show. In a week where Avengers Endgame has passed Avatar to become the top grossing film of all time in the worldwide box office, just an asterisk gone with the wind. Factoring for inflation is still the highest grossing, uh, highest grossing film in the. I, th- I think it's in the US. I'm not sure if it's worldwide, but yeah, uh, that's just a aster- little asterisk for you. Uh, recent news, very recent news. P- past day, I think it happened. Uh, f- Facebook is fined five billion dollars by the US Federal Trade Commission after the year-long investigation on the Cambridge Analytica data breach. Leonard's ex's Old Town Road ties the record for number of weeks at number one in the US. 
And my boy, Mahershala Ali, is slated to play Marvel's Blade reboot. Turns out Mahershala went to Kevin Feige after green, after winning the Best Supporting Actor. Don't know why he was supporting, but that's that. Hey, hey, no, let's not get into that. That sales previously. We have been through that. If you want to go listen to the episode, go for it. But I'm not going to get into that. And he actually said, he, he actually asked Kevin Feige if he wanted to play Blade, which is a G move, gangster move. Mahershala is a G. I'm watching that immediately. Give me my money. I will pay for that right now. I don't care. I haven't seen a script. I haven't seen a... I haven't seen a logline. I don't care. I'm going to watch it regardless. I'm going to watch it regardless. There's actually a great uh, article on Shadow and Act, if you guys want to find it, where they have uh, kind of, um, you know, done like a dream like a dream team list of uh, directors that could possibly direct the uh, the Blade reboot. And there's some, there's some good, uh, there's some great, there's some great talent right there. So uh, uh, that's worth, that's worth a look. So we start with, okay, let's start with life. Let's just get this out of the way. Okay, we know what's happening right now in the UK. We have a new Prime Minister. Here's Boris Johnson. Where to begin? I mean, I can I can always we I can always begin and end with a big sigh. But let's just indulge ourselves for the for the moment, you know, not fully. Let's just get let's just get in and get out with this one because I just, I just really believe this is just going to be a. I don't think much will change. I think the news will constantly talk about Boris Johnson and constantly talk about what's going on as they have done so far, you know. Uh, but more about in the previous tenure from Theresa May, they kind of focused in my mind more on the more on the what's going on and not the actual prime minister themselves. Unless it was, you know, talks about her job uh, getting taken over, which obviously, which is actually obviously happened. They're going to focus more on Boris Johnson as the person and the stuff and the shit he says and the press conferences, well, press conferences and the conferences he has and you know the speeches he makes and nitpicking every word. Just it's going to be stressful and. I I think I think there will be a, a, a and as it pertains to you know the EU leaving, uh, I don't think anything will change on that front. I think uh, already yeah he only got crowned uh, as this as this article I'm about to read says uh, PM only today technically very technically uh, has to shake uh, the Queen's hand to actually officially become it and that happened in the past couple of hours. And even a day or two beforehand, uh, the the EU shut down the, another proposal. So nothing's really going to change, to be honest, in, in terms of how we're going to leave the EU. You know, it's just going to be a little bit more of a bumpy ride because Boris Johnson's a fucking idiot. But anyway, I won't give too much of the article away. <laughs> so this is an opinion piece by Miss Hannah Jane Parkinson via The Guardian. Uh, Boris Johnson, the clown is crowned as the country burns in hell. Very nice, um, very, very nice uh, hat tip to the weather there, because literally that is kind of how it's feeling right now. I, I, just a little tangent, I was, I was, did anyone else struggle sleeping? I, 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 I struggle sleeping in general, but Jesus, I struggled last night. I was just, ugh, I was just muggy, it was just so muggy, so muggy, I was just, I just, uh. I feel, I feel grim. Anyway, uh, let's get into the article itself, because <laughs> I don't really want to... I'm trying not to complain about the weather, but uh, yeah, here I am. 
Well, here we are then. Someone who could easily be rejected as a guess who character for looking <laughs> too ridiculous is now to lead the country. A man whose DNA profile is the exact same as a Bernard Manning joke. A man who mentioned the 20 hustings he has taken part in approximately 30 seconds after the Conservative Party chairman Brandon Lewis talked of the 16 hustings held. With 8,000 members of the Johnson family watching on, is that real? Does he have 8,000 members? I, I'm, I'm sure that's a, a, a joke, but I don't know if, whether to take it seriously or not. Uh, with 8,000 members of the Johnson family watching on, and Jeremy Hunt looking for all of the all the world like a sub who's never going to get off the bench and knows it, Boris Johnson was announced as the new leader of the Conservative Party, and, in short order, the new Prime Minister. Elected by a staggering 0.2% of the nation, we, excuse me, we can't say isn't the will of the people. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it? When the new leader of the country opens his inaugural speech with, quote, There may be people here who wonder quite what they have done. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, having to address the fact that the fact that many people in the room are coming to terms with the fact they've got to, they've got shit on their shoe. <laughs> I love this. This is great. Do you look daunted? He boomed. You don't look remotely, remotely daunted to me which was met with a spectresque wall of silence. A number of faces as white as Elizabeth I's and a solitary cry of no. Probably from Matt Hancock, who has the sucking up power of a Dyson. <laughs> ah, what a bar. Uh, but not one of those. Ah, oh, but not one of those ones with bulls. Damn, that's rude. <laughs> that's a low blow. Johnson's speech wasn't so much uh, circuit... Circuitous? Circuitous? Let me just Google that right quick, because I'm really confused. I've never actually seen that word. I, I really don't know if that word's right. Let's, let's, let's listen together. Circuitous. Oh, circuitous. Okay. All right. Well, we learn something new every day. Circuitous has rerouted entirely around the North Circular. In the most excruciating moment, he mentioned that deliver, unite, defeat was not the greatest campaign slogan he might have chosen. Because it, because it spelled out dud. You just know that he came up with that campaign slogan purely so that he could make this quip, which wasn't even good. He then added an extra letter D-E for energize, saying, Dude, we are going to energize this country. I have never ever wanted to die more, D-I-E, more. <laughs> How about a different brand, Boris? I'm thinking more dithering idiot clown klutz. You see, Johnson can't even negotiate with his own hands to clap properly, let alone the entire European bloc. There's a Twitter a video about him clapping. He struggles even to shake hands. And there's a picture of him trying to shake a hand. Then then there's this, in which looks like he's stumbled, wasted off a party catamaran? Ca what the fuck's a catamaran? What is these words? These are amazing. Moored off Magaluf, drinking WKD from a hat with straws. Okay, there's a lot of pictures here, which I just won't bother trying to describe. Let's just continue there. I don't really know what to say myself. I don't understand how a man can lie his way about bananas and condoms in the high office. I don't understand how a man whose entire prep for anything seems to consist of drawing a cock and balls, but in Latin, on a sheet of paper ends up in high office. I don't understand how a man can be recorded offering to facilitate the assault of a journalist and reach high office. I don't understand how a man could be fired twice for cavalierly, cavalierly making up stuff, making stuff up and reach high office. 
I don't understand how a man whose entire personality is a job lot sold off uh, from a closing down joke shop, which can reach high office. So, a racist, <sighs> inveterate, inveterate, inveterate liar. Damn, these words are great. These words, I'm learning today. Inveterate. I'm not even saying I'm saying that right. Liar, a man who makes Machia- Machiavelli look misunderstood and Pinocchio button-nosed. It's 33 degrees outside in London, 31 right now as I record. You, can, you can't tell whether people are crying or sweating. We can't do anything until we get a say, which this time we did not. So we beat on against the sun, born back ceaselessly into hell. So pick up uh, Miss Parkinson there, because that was uh, that was very that was very funny and very quippy, um, and a lot of word new words learned by me. <laughs> Circuitous, that's amazing. That's a very posh word. I, I, I probably wouldn't use it myself, but it's a it's kind of it's kind of an interesting word. But yeah, um, I think the you know the main points are made at the end. There's not really any points made. It's kind of a of a satirical article from really, uh, for most for majority of it, and just uh, shitting on Boris Johnson as a human, which is fine. Um, but I think it's something that we all know, you know, we're all privy to, and this is it, isn't it? This is this is the the problem with this whole, I guess, this whole politics mess I guess at the core they can do if you if you're an MP right or if you're a significant if you're a government official of significance I don't really know where it starts you know it could be if you want to start MP then sure if you want to start something lower like I'm the head of the borough council you know whether whether you consider the lowest bar possible to be actually significant and make change in your in in the country, let's just say the country, not the constituency or community. Um, you are solidified. You can do pretty much anything, and like like Miss Parkinson said, make it into high office. You can be terrible at your job, especially if you're part of the cabinet, and still get a chance again into the high office. This is the problem. This is the problem when. MPs or cabinet members are fired, quote unquote. They're not really fired. They're just they've just lost a they've just lost a a label. They've just lost a label, whether it's Secretary of Agriculture or Secretary of Health, whatever you know. That's a title. They've just lost that title. They have not fired by the you know the the con- traditional. The traditional definition of someone being fired from their job. If you're fired from your job, you ain't working there no more. When they get fired, they're still an MP. They still have always. They always still have something to fall back on. You know what I mean. So, this is this is my problem overall. If I'm broadening 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 out the scope in terms of politics in general. They can do all this crap. They can be a Jeremy Hunt who has pretty much single-handedly undermined a whole National Health Service for years. And he still came second in the race for Conservative leader. Does that not... If that doesn't give you pause 
I don't really know why. And if you're looking for job security, you know, I mean, there's no better place than being an MP. There is no better place than being an MP. And if you kiss up hard enough, you might just get a cabinet position. And even if you get fired from that, it's all good, ladies and gentlemen, because you're still an MP, you're still in the building, and you can still make change. Now, whether it's positive or negative change, that is up to you. But as as we've seen in the past 10 years or so of this Tory uh, premiership, it's mainly been negative. And, well, it's only going to continue. And let's just say this next... The next couple of months, running up to October, put in one word, I mean, you might have yours, but for me, I would just say, blood bowl. It's going to be a blood bowl. So we move on to the very loose Because you know it's it's news. It's you can you can watch Channel Four news if you want to watch you know specific uh, specific news about it. I'm just here to speak my piece. So we get into let's get into sport. Actually, this is, this is something something the lighter of the lighter of the four topics I've got today. Um, so I've I've looked at this. It's actually today. Actually, I, I was looking up uh, stuff for today, and. I kind of link this to not just sport, but you can link this to also music as well if you want to. But we'll just stick it to sport because that's what the article's um, focusing on. And I might get to, I might just link it to music right quickly afterwards. But this is by Barry Glendening, Glendening, Glendening. I don't know. Uh, filming, not watching, is digital distraction changing how we experience live sport? So let's get into it. Asked recently at a press conference why he thought attendances at National College Athletic Association football games, NCAA, I don't know why they just pinned the NCAA, making me say the whole thing, football games were in decline. The Northwestern University coach Pat Fitzgerald posited an intriguing, if slightly odd, theory. Picking up his mobile phone and waving it in the air before reporters, he proceeded to lay the blame squarely at the door of technology. Quote, I think phones, he said. I think technology has been the decline in attendance number one. Fitzgerald went on to tell the story of being out with his wife for a meal and being irritated by the sight of all four members of two couples at the next table spending their entire evening staring at and playing with their smartphones instead of talking to each other and suggested that younger sports fans are incapable of enjoying anything without the aid of technology. Quote, you watch a concert and everybody's holding uh, everybody's holding their phone up. Oh, well, okay, he's made the point for me. There you go. He said in ex- exasperation, like, listen, watch, take it in, create a memory, because they don't go back and watch the videos. Uh, they just want to post it on their social media, which is pathetic because it creates a society of, look at me, isn't my life great? Old man yells at Cloud Abraham Simpson style? Perhaps. Although Fitzgerald's response to the query posed came across as more reasoned rationale than curmudgeonly rent. He did, however, overlook the fairly obvious and contradictory point that to be in a position to film footage at a concert or a ball game for one's Instagram account, a fan actually has to be there in the first place. A state of affairs that ought to lead to more bums on seats, not fewer. 
He did, however, go on to say that youngsters these days would, quote, rather have 12 TVs set up in their TV watching Cave than go to a game and experience the pageantry and tailgating. Okay, who has 12 TVs? Where are you getting the money to have 12 TVs? Jesus Christ. Posted online, the clip of Fitzgerald's broadside against modern technology has been se- has been seen more than two million times in counting, presumably by a majority of people going some way towards proving his point by watching and listening to it on their phones. Reaction to the two-minute clip has been predictably mixed. Rick Tars... Tarsitano, a sports producer with the Chicago-based TV station WGN-TV, who posted it on Twitter, said he couldn't agree more, a view that was endorsed by the college sports podcaster Aaron Torres, who was instrumental in it going viral. Sports Illustrated, in stark contrast, portrayed Fitzgerald, who is 44, as some sort of a Luddite, making the not unreasonable point that, quote, the home viewing experience is far superior is a far superior experience than attending a game when it comes to football, and it has nothing to do with phones. Writing for the magazine's website, Jimmy Trainer, literally Trainer, but spelled with an A instead of an ER, it's brilliant, cited cold weather and the prohibitive expense of attending NCAA games, where punters, where punters are often forced to endure the brain of boorish, misbehaving drunks as the real reasons why attendances are falling. Uh, are falling. His was a view shared by many on Twitter. What are your thoughts on the merits of Fitzgerald's rumble? He is undeniably astute in his assessment that the smartphone has revolutionised the viewing habits of sports fans. Attendances at top flight football grounds have rarely been healthier, but the huge number of fans who seem to view the stadium as little more than a film set full of unpaid extras on which they can record social media productions in which they play the starring role is increasingly apparent. Not content with going to the ground to see the football match, they must also be seen uh, seeing the football match. Remember that Liverpool supporter holding up his phone to record his role in the stirring rendition of your Neville Cologne during their Champions League semi-final comeback against Barcelona? While his was an utterly harmless wheeze, the vitriol in which the sight of his impromptu movie-making was greeted by fellow football fans on social media was telling. Like Coach Fitzgerald... They felt he should have been listening, watching, taking it in, and creating a memory. I'm going to skip to the last paragraph here, just because the point's being made. With attention spans understandably shortening as the various forms of football distraction, forms of football distraction, clipped highlights, pre- and post-match analysis and reaction, impromptu tours of Jesse Lingard's Miami Hotel Suite, vying for our focus continues to mushroom, a generation has reached a point where it, e- where it, is, e- it is easy for them to stay completely appra- apprised of what is going on in the world of football without having to do anything so time-consuming as watch an actual game. Okay, so I have a couple of thoughts on that. Um, as it pertains to college football, I don't think that fans recording shit is the worst problem i think the worst problem is the sport itself just to say uh you know you've i think i've said this point on uh well i definitely said on studio radio version of what's good i don't know if i said on the podcast version of what's good but i believe super bowl is going to is not you know nfl in general national football league and american football professionally done by adult men is going to be done within the next 50 years as I'm saying, it's college football, probably not. I think that's more of an institution locally. 
uh, for local for local uh, you know areas in America. I don't think that will go. It's and same with high school as well. I think professionally, I don't think it will. It, I don't think it will last. But that's just me. Um, I don't think that's the main problem for for them for for NCAA. You know, culture uh, cultures coaches and people try and people who are tasked with trying to get bums on seats like markers and whatever. As pertains to football, I mean, uh, uh, actual football, not American football. Um, I mean, my problem... Now, I wouldn't record football simply because you're usually too far away to see it anyway and to record it. When people record some, you know, some free kicks or penalties or whatever, you can barely see it. You can, you can, I guess they can record it and, you know, you're there f- to see the atmosphere when, you know, fans blow up and, you know, it's kind of fascinating to watch. But you're not going to watch someone recording from row Z simply because they had a good shot. They didn't have a good shot of it. You know, then you're not going to watch it because of that. You're watching it for the atmosphere, you know, for the fan, uh, for the fan reaction, you know, the immediate fan reaction. That's what. That's why people watch that kind of stuff anyway. And that's re- And I rarely see that anyway. So, I don't really see that as the problem. I do find, perhaps, that the actual problem here is watching experience. It's. I find it so breezy, so breezy, just watching it on the TV. Any sport doesn't even have to be football. Any sport. I find it so much easier to be watching on TV. There were there are a couple that I'd love to go to see in person. You know, I'd love to see go to see an NBA game in person. You know, obviously because it's me. Uh, I'd love to see a Wimbledon final. That would actually be great to see be in person. And you know, it's, a, it's what's good with tennis is that the viewing experience is looks kind of similar to the actual you know uh, tennis experience. Um, if you're watching from the sides, obviously it's completely different because you have to turn your head every time <laughs> every time the ball goes. So that might be a little, uh, a bit of a bit of a, a neck test for you, a neck strain test for you. But other than that, you know the experience is relatively the same. Uh, the only difference is I don't have John McEnroe talking bullshit in my face. Um, so that would be that's that'd be a great plus. I'd love to go Wimbledon just so I don't have to hear John McEnroe talk about fucking tennis, which is in my opinion, kind of whack, he is a whack tennis analysis, he just, unless it's like the top three, unless it's Federer, Nadal, or Djokovic, he has no idea, like, how to talk about any of the others, he he just doesn't, he doesn't do research, and it, and it shows, and it very, and it shows a lot, anyway, biases aside, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of sports I'd happily watch live, I'd happily go see athletics live, I wouldn't record it, I really wouldn't, I may record maybe the 100 metres, but other than that, I wouldn't really record any. I'd just watch it. I'd just be there for the experience, and that's just me. You know, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to like say, oh, I'm never this person. I constantly record my music uh, when I go to a music show. I constantly record, not co- well, not constantly. I intermittently. I do it for a song here and there for a couple of minutes. And just thinking about that, right? It's not that damaging if you really think about it. From obviously, if you see it from an artist's point of view. And you see these, and you see everyone with their phones out recording and watching by their phones. I can see that if, and especially if you're an established artist that were, you know, pre-phone recording uh, era. If you were there, and now you're doing a show in 2019, and you're seeing people with their phones up, that might be a bit of a well, what's going on kind of moment. Like you, you might look at it and just feel some type of way, and I understand that. I really do. 
but looking at it from my side, if I'm recording, right, I personally record maybe a total of four minutes, maybe more, four to ten minutes maybe, out of a hour, hour and a half, two hour set, depending on who, who I'm going to see. So, percentage-wise, of stuff that's been recorded, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's only because there's obviously people that record more than me, and they constantly have their phone out, and you see that, and you harp on that, which is fine. I understand it. And, you know, I've, I, try to, I try to be in the moment as much as possible, and I also try and record as well, because while I do post it, and while I am one of those people that post it, I'm not posting it as a here look at me you know I'm not really that kind of person I just like to post I just like people knowing that I'm listening to this boss music and I want people to also listen to this boss music and in in time in the future hopefully join me in in watching this boss music someday I'm just trying to get my people into some stuff I'm just trying to put people on and that's just me um you know, if you don't want to watch it, you don't want to watch it, it's fine, I don't really care, I'm just posting just to post it, I'm not like, hey, look at me, look at me, you must watch this video, no, 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 it's not, it's not must watch, I know, I know the, I know the game, <laughs> it's not, it's not exactly, you know, every, everyone's trying to get everyone's eyeballs, I understand this, you know, um, so, even though I'm one of those described people at music concert that comes you have their phone out, yeah, I'm just trying to document for myself, to be honest, I'm mostly, I'm mostly trying to document to myself. I don't post everything. There are some videos I keep. Well, I keep all the videos regardless. I always store them in backup. And if I want to watch them, I go watch them. And if I and if they're on Instagram, they're on Instagram. That's fine. That's fine by me. I don't really... If he, if if the artist I was watching said it's a bad thing and he, doesn't, and he or she doesn't want me to do it, then fine, I won't do it. I'll happily, you know, join the wishes of the, of the artist I'm watching and respect their wishes to... You know, so they can give the best experience possible. And if they believe that is uh, without phones, then it's without phones. Comedians do it. Some of the best comedians do it right now. Uh, for Chris Rock's previous tour in the in the world tour, he had everyone put their phones away in little boxes, little lock boxes in front. And when the show ends, they get their phone back. That's fine. That's completely fine. If you want to do that, you want to do that. Um, you know, as you guys know, I recorded a special on Gods of Rap. I recorded some video, did, took some pictures, and I also did some voice recording, obviously just for the show itself. And do I, con- do I consider that I wasn't in the moment? Fuck no. I was definitely in that moment. Trust me. I remember that moment like it was freaking yesterday, boy. My feet were killing. I was in the moment, okay? Recording stuff doesn't mean you're not in the moment, okay? It might not mean you're not completely in the moment, but it doesn't mean you're completely out of it. You're trying to record something. You're in the moment of trying to record it. So whether we're, you know, if you if you want to be some, if you want to get into semantics about that, then sure, fine. But I won't, I won't bother. But um, this uh, this thing that happens in sports and also in music, I think it's worse in music, in my opinion. I don't think it's as bad as they, as it's uh, as it's portrayed in sports. Um, I think it's more about pricing, to be honest. If we're talking about pro- if we're talking about the number one problem in I guess fo- I guess in football's case, let's just stick it to football. I think it's pricing. I can go to a concert for twenty quid. I'd rather do that than go to a football game that's a hundred. I would much rather d- I'd I'd much rather do that. 
and I'm genuinely and I'm generally much closer to the subject at hand when I'm at a concert. So that's just how I see it. I go to other events for cheaper than a sports game, wherever it is, if it's basketball, if it's football, if it's Wimbledon, you know, doesn't really rugby, cricket, it doesn't really matter what what sport. I can easily go to London get a ticket for uh for a show that I've really wanted to go to and it's 20 30 quid and I'm you know I'm much closer to the experience I'm feeling it much more I I just find music much better than a uh, live live music much better than live sport and that's just how I see it and because I see that I see the problem as one pricing and two experience of the of the event Obviously, sport is much more of a crapshoot. You don't know whether it's going to be a... You don't know what it's going to be, what the result's going to be. You don't know what's going to happen, which obviously is part of the allure of sport. But if we're comparing apples to apples, my problem, personally, the reason why I don't go to as much sports events as I want to, is because of pricing. And... That's just how it is. It's unfortunate for me because I really want to go to these events. I just can't afford it. That's just how that's just how it is for me personally. If you can afford it, then go to it. Um, but I can easily go to see a show at a much cheaper price and maybe get better memories. Pound for pound. So um, I don't think recording shit is the main problem for sports. It might be the main problem for music, but, you know, if you compare apples to apples, sports have, live sports have way bigger problems than fans trying to record a free kick. So we get into film and TV, and obviously, in more recent film news, uh, Quentin Tarantino's, I think, ninth film, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is dropping soon, and obviously all that hype train's going at the moment, all that press uh, all that press run is going on at the moment, and I just saw this, uh, I saw this Hollywood Reporter uh, article on Leonardo DiCaprio, and I, c- I found it kind of fascinating, so I thought I'd give it a read. Um, it's called his brand. His brand is excellence. How Leonardo DiCaprio became Hollywood's last movie star, and this is a very interesting way of thinking about movies and movie stars right now. I think it's an it's, it's an interesting uh, encapsulation. It's an interesting snapshot of where we're at in terms of Hollywood and our consumption of what Hollywood starlets and the biggest stars are actually doing in terms of films. So let's get into this. And this is by uh, Tatiana Siegel of The Hollywood Reporter. In November 1997, six plus weeks before Titanic opened in the US, 20th Century Fox launched the movie at the Tokyo Film Festival in hopes of generating some early buzz in the largely untapped Asian market. Paramount chief Jim Giannopoulos who was running the uh, running international distribution at Fox at the time, expected the theatre to be crowded. After all, the film star Leonardo DiCaprio already enjoyed a budding global popularity, uh, thanks to the studio's 1996 release, Romeo and Juliet, which had earned 148 million worldwide, 69% of its haul coming from overseas. But Titanic's Japan bow was something more akin to Beatlemania. 
Quote, it was pandemonium. The entire area of Tokyo basically shut down, with fans coming out to see Leo. Giannopoulos recalls of the James Cameron-directed epic. He started to be a heartthrob with Romeo and Juliet, but with Titanic, it just became insanity. It was the first time in history that a film was number one in every single country in the world by a massive margin. Fast forward 22 years, and DiCaprio remains a global movie star. One who, one who consi- whose consistent bankability and acclaim set him apart from his peers. In fact, he is arguably the only global superstar left in the film industry in which an interchangeable group of actors regularly suit up in spandex or brandish a lightsaber for the latest billion dollar earner, only to be ignored by audiences outside franchises. Unlike more waning megastars like Will Smith, Jennifer Lawrence and Robert Downey Jr., DiCaprio sits alone atop the Hollywood pantheon without ever having ever having made a comic book movie, family film, or pre-branded franchise. Leo is the franchise. Now, after a four-year absence from the big screen following his Oscar-winning turn in The Revenant, DiCaprio returns ju- returns July 26th with Sony's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's adults-only interpretation of the Manson murders. Quote, one thing, one of the things I like about Leo is he just doesn't plug himself into two movies a year, says Tarantino, drawing an unstated comparison with current stars like Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart, who are omnipresent on social media as well as in multiplexes. He kind of stands alone today, like Al Pacino or Robert De Niro were in the 70s, where they weren't trying to do two movies a year. They could do anything they wanted, they wanted to do this, so that means this must be pretty good. In other words, in an age of brand management, DiCaprio has cultivated a brand of excellence, in quotes, says Sony film chief Tom Rothman, amid an industry where brand these days usually means Marvel, DC or Lucas. What's remarkable about Leo in his, is his consistency, says Rothman, who first worked DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet and Titanic at Fox. If he is in it, the audience knows it's going to be good because he is in it. I mean, when is he not great? But that's not an accident. He works his ass off. Sources say DiCaprio took a $15 million upfront payday, $5 million less than his usual $20 million, in order to get Once Upon a Time made. But he stands to make north of $45 million if the film meets, ex- meets expectations. His deal is structured in a way that certain territories yield higher percentages than others. DiCaprio's ascent to the pinnacle of actors began well before Romeo and Juliet, a decade after appearing as a toddler in Romper Room. Okay, let's not let's not talk about DiCaprio's career, like we know what's going on in his career. Let's just continue on from there. Uh, da, 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 da. Among his compatriots, DiCaprio is by far the mo- one of the most by far the one most coveted by studio heads and top tier directors, offering that rare blend of prestige. Three of his past five films have been nominated for Best Picture and Box Office Prowess. Those same films earned a combined 1.8 billion worldwide. While Smith is doing Netflix originals and a Disney remake, Lawrence is on a cold streak and Downey only makes money as Tony Stark, DiCaprio continues to choose films that would seem risky on paper, typically R-rated longer than two and a half hours and with budgets topping 80 million, bets that have paid off and given him an unrivaled amount of power. Before their collaboration on Gangs of New York, Scorsese found himself in a creative rut. He credits DiCaprio with reigniting his passion for filmmaking. Quote, He became the perfect muse. I was rejuvenated again, Scorsese says. A key thing about Leo, and I always tell him this, he's a natural, is he, he is, he's a natural screen actor. He could have been in silent films. It's the look on his face, the look in his eyes. He doesn't have to say anything, it just reads and you can connect with him. Not everybody is like that. 
Tarantino first met DiCaprio in 93 at the premiere of True Romance, yada yada yada, let's not talk about that because who gives a crap, let's talk about DiCaprio and his legacy. Continuing on, for this paragraph here, while modern stars scramble to maintain a constant presence and relevance via social media and non-stop work spanning all platforms, DiCaprio as an actor sticks to cinema. He hasn't acted for the small screen since a 1992 appearance on Growing Pains. Rather than using Twitter for self-promotion, he offers his 19.1 million followers updates on the Warani tribe's efforts to protect the Amazon from oil drilling or to promote vegan burgers. Off-camera, DiCaprio has maintained a carefully crafted air of mystery. Some crew members on Once Upon a Time were instructed to avoid making eye contact with him. God, that's that's so uppity. Uh, According to an on-set source. At the Cannes Film Festival in May, he brought his parents to the Once Upon a Time premiere, but skipped other events on the Croissette, despite having his security team do a sweep of of a Nicky Beach party to promote the environmental documentary And We Go Green, which he produced with longtime friend Fisher Stevens, who says that they are in talks with John Kerry about producing an eco-minded series about threats to the world's oceans. DiCaprio rarely talks about his personal life or, <clears throat> or even his career and typically promotes the film only in partnership with the director. Uh, despite being one of the most photographed men in the world, hopping on a city bike in New York or hanging out vaping with supermodels, little is known about his day-to-day life. I'll end it here on a quote. I've admired the fact that throughout all of his fame, all of his success, he has maintained his friendships, his relationships, his closeness with his parents, says Giannopoulos. He is a truly lovely human being. Hollywood can change people, and it really hasn't changed Leo. And there's a a little uh, graphic for Leo's 10 most recent releases have earned nearly $3.3 billion at the global box office. Oh my god, that's a lot of money. Yeah, so... This is very intriguing in terms of, I don't think we actually think about how DiCaprio is possibly that last one, that last bastion of traditional Hollywood where you don't have to constantly be present on you know, on people's TV screens or people's smartphone screens uh, in terms of, t- in terms of obviously, today's technology and tablets and whatever. He doesn't have to be present. Now, I kind of respect this. I respect this kind of way of going about it because he is strictly on, you know, he talks about what he cares about and that's it. You know, and he cares about the environment, which is obviously clear, and that's all he talks about. That's all he uses his social media for, which I respect. You know, he isn't hopping on Twitter going like, uh, uh, oh, you know, Lakers, Lakers are going to boss it this year. <laughs> he's, also, he's, not, he's, gone, he's not saying hashtag Laker Nation, you know what I mean? So he might go to a couple games, but he ain't, he ain't tweeting about Laker Nation, you know what I mean? So he ain't talking about the NBA free agency. Uh, he's, not, he's not talking about anything else. He just either talks about the film he's in or, or the environment. You know, or the films he's working on or producing, which is respectable, and I highly, highly rate that. Uh, on the flip side, I do find you know people like The Rock and Kevin Hart. You know, they're constantly ever present uh, in in film and the social media, and it's very, very, it's it's kind of, it's kind of suffocating to be honest. It really is suffocating. I understand why, and to be honest, they're probably maximizing their financial potential doing all that which is fine, get your bag, but 
I mean, I said this a few, I said this a couple of years ago, and I've kind of kept this up uh, subconsciously. I after I think Ride Along Two, uh, around that time, I just vowed to make a Kevin Hart cleanse because I it was just too much. It's just it was just too much. There was too much Kevin Hart, way too much. While I respect the hustle, it's just too much. It's just suffocating. I'm sick of seeing him on Twitter constantly. I'm sick of seeing him on Instagram jogging and delivering motivational shit. I'm sick of his stand up. To be honest, I don't even rate his stand up that highly. Just just being real. And you know, his films are alright. You know, some some of them are right, some of them aren't. You know, he's it's very hit and miss to be honest. Uh and it's more about it's more about quantity than quality here. And obviously DiCaprio is career wise is all about quality and you guys know me I'm more about quality than quantity you know I'm 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 about that 99% of the time so this is something that I respect amongst not just DiCaprio but you know more of the classic act classically trained actors you know it's people like Mahershala Ali who I referenced obviously in the start of the show I don't see him on social media constantly you know, sometimes he he hops on to uh, he hops on IG to just post a, you know, if he's if he's done a photo shoot, he might post a couple of photos about it. Uh, if, obviously, when he's part of Blade, he posted about that a couple of times. So you know, he he posts about his he posts he posts his career, and sometimes his his uh, his uh, young child, which is you know just general family stuff, and I can and you know that's fine. Um, that's that's why I respect. That that's why that's why that's why I gravitate towards, and it's kind of why I enjoy being a writer because I don't have to. I don't. It, it, well, this is this is if I was you know established. So imagine a world when I'm established. <laughs> if I'm an established writer, <laughs> so if I was you know doing these doing these scripts, you know the only time you probably hear me hear from me is if I was doing a press run for a, for a tour or for a, for a film I've written or whatever, you know what I mean? That's the only time a writer will, you see a writer speak or maybe on a couple of writing podcasts, but you ain't going to listen to that because you, because if you're not a writer, then what, why are you listening to it? You know what I mean? So there's obviously an ecosystem here for many people. And for people like DiCaprio, the ecosystem is simply environmental stuff and the films he either produces or goes in, and that's fine. Uh, on the complete extreme side, people like Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart, they're ever-present about everything. If they're taking a drive, they're recording. If they're in the gym, they're recording. If they're doing a film, you know they're recording. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they con- they, they're constantly on it. And for some people like, you know, classically trained actors, writers, uh, editors, producers, you know, they all have their own ecosystems. They all, they, all, they all have their own communities and they stick with it. And if you're a fan of those people and if you want to follow those people, then they'll show you their life. Probably. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'll probably I'll probably talk about my life more than more than most writers. But. I'm still gonna if I, if I'm still if I'm established if I'm still in this world of me being an established writer, if I'm if I'm there, then I most likely will be talking about the writing more often than not. I wouldn't be talking about much else because I probably might not have time to. And you know, as I said, quality over quantity all day. 
I just kind of, I low—I will be real with you, I low-key paused when I just heard that ice cream truck. <laughs> I was generally thinking about just ditching this and going for an ice cream. <laughs> but anyway, let's continue. Leonardo's a G, and he's the last bastion of Hollywood. Traditional Hollywood. topic we have for today is life and it's something I've been it's something I've been thinking about uh, in the past few days especially in the past few days actually so let me just set the scene for you so obviously I referenced in a week where uh, Merge Ali is going to be in Blade the new Blade reboot and obviously at San Diego Comic Con I think it was San Diego anyway uh, Marvel un- uh, unleashed onto all of us, stepped on our necks and unleashed uh, phase 5 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, you know, delivered all the TV show, all all the original series and all the upcoming films that are coming and just basically given the, you know, groundwork for the next five years. They also mentioned, obviously, that they're going to have original series, like I just mentioned, and they're going to to be via Disney's new subscription-based service, you know, streaming-based service, Disney+. Plus. And obviously that's dropping, I think, next year. Along with many, 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 many other streaming services uh, that are specific to other TV conglomerates, film conglomerates, and you you get the rest. Um, well, actually, Disney's probably the only film one that's actually doing it, to be honest. Uh, that's an interesting piece of integration, uh, vertical integration there. Or is it horizontal? I think it's vertical. But anyway. Um, yeah, so... I've been thinking a lot about subscription-based services, just in general, not just in TV, but also in music and in podcasting as well. So this is something I found, I saw an advert for this obviously on YouTube and other places because I'm a podcast nut anyway, as you can imagine. Um, So there's this new, uh, there's this new podcast app called Luminary and they're the first one that is going for the subscription-based no ads podcasting, right? Obviously, when you listen to podcasts, most of them anyway, the established ones, obviously, obviously not here, you don't get ads on here because I'm very independent here and nobody wants me for ads. Um, <laughs> that too. Uh, sometimes there are ads. You know, if you listen to whatever big podcast, you know, if it's via NPR or or Vox or, I don't know, just, just loud, louder, loudspeaker network, wherever, wherever you listen to your podcasts, most of the time they have ads and Luminary is going to be that place where it's going to be, you know, the Netflix of podcasting, basically, you know, so you pay $7 a month or whatever it is, you don't get ads, but you also get exclusive original content, similar to Spotify, which do their own original content, but free and paid subscribers can actually listen to those. You just need a Spotify account. Luminary is purely, uh, if you want, if you want to listen to their special, their, um, their, original content then you're going to have to pay for it basically so this is i'm just going to read a bit of this um i'm just going to read a bit of this article here uh via the verge ashley carmen of the verge podcast wars 100 million 100 million dollar startup luminary launches tuesday without reply or or the daily which is the two um very popular podcasts especially in america 
Uh, it took less than a day for Luminary to become enemy number one of the podcast industry. Last month, on the same day that it unveiled its subscription podcast service, the company tweeted a typed-out image of a bunny holding a sign, Podcasts don't need ads. Fans of the famously ad-supported industry revolted. This is toxic, one person responded. Luminary doesn't need, don't need customers, said another. Luminary CEO and co-founder Matt Sachs looks back on the situation now tell, uh, now and tells me, quote, it was a mistake, it was a miss, and we own that. The bunny put a foot in our mouth. What the $100 million venture-backed podcasting company was trying to communicate, Sachs says, is that podcast listeners should have a choice. Pay for subscription-based shows without ads or listen to podcasts for free, but deal with ads as a price. We really do feel like what we're introducing is a cho- is choice and optionality uh, and trying to help elevate premium and paid podcasting which would be good for creators and listeners as well. So there's, it's a very lengthy article. I'm just going to stop there because I'm just uh, basically just priming it for you. For you, I'm just basically giving a primer for you guys of what I'm talking about. Um, this is kind of something I've been thinking about. Uh, obviously, I don't really have the listenership to ask for money, and I don't really want to ask for money at this point because I just don't. Well, just don't really. I still want to keep it fresh, you know. I mean, I still want to keep it organic, and that's just and that's just me. Um, and especially trying to, you know, cultivate this little podcast network that I'm trying to do, you know. So, so it's a long process, you know. It's a long term process. I'm not looking for money straight away. So that's just me. But, but I could easily, you know, cop a Patreon account, ask you guys to, you know, lash a pound or five pounds or whatever, and you know, and then and then we can go from there. And there could be no ads. But there might be one day where I might have ads. I'm just one of those people when when I listen to podcasts and I excuse me and I listen to a lot. I listen to at least twenty a week. Um twenty shows. Um, you know, if they if they do a show a week then I listen to at least twenty shows um on average anyway in a week. So that's just my intake. Most of them have ads and I usually know when to skip. You know, I just go. I, I know the ads coming, and I'm just. I hear the music, and I'm like, okay, let's skip, 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 skip. You know, it's it's it's, it's a necessary evil. It's the same with YouTube, where and and they're obviously they've obviously packed it on a little bit more off uh, a little bit more than usual, and they have two ads in one place sometimes uh, now. And if you don't skip the first one, you have to watch the second one. And I'm like, Ugh. you know, if you if you're at that place, you're in that place. Um, and it's just a necessary evil that we all deal with. Um, I do hate ads. I despise ads. I really do. But if I'm listening to something like a uh, Jamel Hill's Unbothered, a Spotify original, she has ads. She has ads, and I'm on a paid platform. So should I ask Jamel Hill for no ads? No, no, because honestly, I don't really care that much. It doesn't dis- It doesn't kill me that hard. It's only talking, you know, it's, it just doesn't really, and sometimes you might need a break. Like I do the music interludes now, is to give you guys a little bit of a reprieve to think about what I've just, what we've just been thinking about. Or give you some, or give you a few seconds to just, you know, decompress. Because, you know, it's hard to listen for, listen to a person for a whole hour, you know what I mean? So it's, it's just a challenge. But anyways, I digress because that's actually um, a lot what I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to talk about subscription services as a whole because 
obviously, like I said, there's going to be Disney Plus. There's going to be, you know, NBC Universal is going to have one. I think CBS is going to have one. And, you know, there's obviously uh, stuff like BritBox and, you know, very specific and niche streaming places as well for film and television. And obviously music as well. And I, I'm not really, I'm not really sure how I feel about it all. Um, I've been a, I've, I'm a, I'm a Sky baby, which means I've had a Skybox for for you know most of my life. So most of my stuff is always most of the stuff I watch as pertains to TV and film have all been in one place. It's all on Skybox. I can just go on whatever Sky Movies, whatever Sky One. BBC One, whatever, and just watch TV or film. But now there's obviously Netflix, there's Amazon Prime, there's going to be all of these other competitors now, Apple as well, jumping in, vying again, similar to streaming and, you know, music and, and the sport in general, vying for our eyes, vying for our subscription dollars, and, you know, it's it's something I'm not really, I don't feel like I'm ready for. I don't feel like I want to pay for all of this. You know what I mean? So I I, I just I'm one. I, I guess I'm really not scared, but just a bit daunted by this prospect that's going to happen in the next year. Literally, it's going. This ain't even that far off. It's literally going to happen start next year. It's just going to be. It's going to start with Disney. Apple's already doing their thing, and they're already getting started. So it's already begun, to be honest. You know, it's going to be a real arms race. And unless you're stacking, which I'm not, <laughs> then you can cop them. You can cop wherever you want and be fine with that. If you want to go watch Friends, then go cop that NBC Universal uh, subscription and and just go watch Friends. If you want to go do that, fine. Uh, if you want to go watch, uh, if you want to go watch The Office, then go wherever The Office is going off. It's going off Netflix, isn't it? So you know, it's going somewhere else. So go watch it there. If you have the money for this stuff, then it doesn't really, it shouldn't really worry you. But I just don't really like having all of these things that I have to keep count of, and I'm just like, uh, I just want it all in one place. And it's obviously all splitting, fragmenting. And I'm not really a fan of it, to be honest. Um, and it's a, it's going to be the same. And it's going to be the similar thing for podcasts now, where if you want to listen to someone who you really admire, and they're only exclusively on something like Luminary, then you might have to get Luminary. Um, and again, not really a fan. I have all my podcasts on one app, one place, and that's fine by me. And I can listen to it all in one big ass playlist if I want to. But if you're something like a Luminary, if you're something like Netflix or a Disney Plus, you're going to have to pay several several times over to watch this specific thing. I like Netflix simply because it has a it has the variety, and there's always something for me to watch there if I want to watch something. Uh, if it, if, it's, if it's a Netflix original, then go for it. I usually I I mainly watch originals anyway. Excuse the plane. I mainly watch originals anyway when it comes to Netflix. I really watch you know um, stuff they bought. You know I don't watch Friends on Netflix. It's been on, it, it's been on UK terrestrial television for fuck knows how many years. One every time over. It's been on Comedy Central. It's been on Channel Four. It's been freaking everywhere. Okay, so you know I'm not gonna watch Friends on Netflix. I'm just okay. I'm gonna digress because. 
I'm just going to go off on friends. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make. I'm just a little bit daunted about all of this, about all of this subscription stuff. I'm not sure about you guys, um, but it's not go- it's not just it's not just Netflix and Amazon Prime anymore. That's what I'm basically trying to say. And if you want to watch certain films, you know, there's going to be there's stuff like Mubi, there's stuff like Canopy, Canopy. Uh, there's another Criterion Collection. I think there's one for actually just horror films. So if you're really if you it all of this is supposed to you know appeal to your niche interests and if you have niche interests then by all means go for it if you watch just horror then you have a place for just horror if you watch classical movies i'm sure there's one for classical movies there's a streaming service i think it's called prime phonic for just classical music if you want to do that then go for it if you listen to classical music all your life then, then i don't see why not you might as well just go for that and nothing else but for me, for someone who, you know, eats into a lot of small th- small things, you know, I like a little bit of film here, like a little, you know, I like a little bit of a, a comedy over here, a little bit of stand-up over here. You know, I, 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 like a, I like a smorgasbord. And that's what Sky has given me over the past, Lord knows how many years I've had it. It's, it's given me that variety. And now all the variety is going, in a, in, in a way... Because people want their own slice of the pie, and you might as well just, you might as well just integrate into your own into your own company, into your own conglomerate. Why give it to someone else for, to make money on? It's your IP. You own it. You might as well distribute it. But yeah. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that has been what's good for this week. Made it past an hour, which I'm fine with. I'm just going to end it there. <laughs> I'm baking in this room. I need to open the freaking window. Oh, my Lord. It's going to be glorious when I open that window. Uh, there's a film I'm trying to think of, but I can't remember it. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening for this week. Uh, music, intro music is vi- um, Too Much by Vanilla. Interlude music is Vista by Poldor, just trying to get the names right. <laughs> if you want to listen to any of their work, uh, their their links, uh, their Bandcamp links are down below. And also Chihop Records, thank you for the ability uh, for their for giving me the ability to use these songs. And yeah, until the next time from the Fifth Element Podcast Network, I've been Charlie Taylor. This has been most good. Enjoy the heat, ladies and gentlemen. If you're in the UK, enjoy your week. I'm gonna try and enjoy mine. And until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen.